Hey, Matthew William here. I'm back. Now here's the first chapter of the Enoch Plague. Uh, the reason it took so long to get this out was, one, I'm planning on releasing the entire audiobook uh, in one shot all at once in a couple of weeks. So this is just sort of a sneak peek, but it's still the whole first chapter. And number two, I had to work a lot more recently at my day job, so less time for writing. For anyone that wants to be a patron of the podcast that I make, you can go over to patreon.com slash Matthew William, and you can become a sponsor, even if it's just a dollar for the whole book, and you'll get a bunch of cool stuff, like early release of the podcast books, deleted scenes, sneak previews, etc. And you can help me release the new books faster than the uh, almost two years it took for this one to come out. Every dollar is about five minutes that I can uh, devote to writing, and it'll help with the cost of releasing these as well. So that's patreon.com slash Matthew William. So here's the first chapter. Hope you like it. There's going to be less music in this book uh, because I don't have the same resources at my disposal as last time. But I think you'll like it. I hope so anyway. Enough of me talking. Here's chapter one. The Enoch Plague by Matthew William. Chapter 1 The county-appointed constable sat alone in her office. As it turned out, folks who lived forever didn't commit much crime, and as a result, there wasn't much to do. Even the crow attacks had stopped quite suddenly. So, it was another calm evening at the end of an especially calm week. Often, people would thank her for the peace and quiet, but she was always quick to point out that it was only people respecting each other the way they should. All she was was the last resort. She considered taking the jeep out for a ride to check up on the outer farms. It made the women feel safe to see her drive past, gave them a sense of security. A car pulled up outside her office. It was Paige Palmer's car, the head operator for all the farms in the county. She had lost her girl to a crow attack the week previous. Something like that happens to you. You can't ever be the same. What was she doing out here at this time of night? Hers was one of the outer farms. The bell above the door rang as Paige entered the office. You've got time, Teresa? I always do. The Cartwright girl got away. No, the constable gasped. Paige nodded with her eyes closed. How? the constable asked. The men of the city had sent half a precinct out after her. They had requested the constable not get involved. The police chief let her go, Paige said. You're kidding. I wish I was. I had to pry the information out of Mary just now. She didn't want me to tell you. Doesn't surprise me, the constable said. Where's the girl now? They saw her leaving the city. That's all we know so far. Must be somewhere in the wilderness then, the constable said. This was a ledger in bright red that needed to be balanced. The girl had gotten away with a death and justice needed to be paid. You'll put your tracking skills to work? Paige asked. The constable went to the gun locker and began to load her bag. Her deputy would have to watch over things for a few days. You're going to make things right, Teresa? Paige asked, her tone almost hopeful. That depends on what you mean. You're going to kill her. You know I won't do that, the constable said. Paige rolled her eyes. Why not? 
She's earned an execution through the proper channels, not at my hands. What's the difference, honestly, Paige groaned. The constable stopped her packing and stared at the woman. Everything. You of all people can go around it. No, I can't. Why not? Because that's all that separates us from them. Who? The men. I'm so tired of... You know the rumors about her. There's lots of rumors about lots of people, the constable said. Well, in her case, they're all true, Paige said. The Enoch pill doesn't work on her, and she's dying. I spoke with Dr. Fuentes myself. What does that have to do with anything? She's only got 50, 60 years left, Paige said. Keeping her alive is only delaying the inevitable. The constable looked the woman square in the eyes. It's not my decision to make, Paige sighed. Bring her back here, then. We'll execute her in the town square. Legally, the constable said. That's the only way. The file on Kizzy Cartwright was already sitting on the desk. It was no coincidence. The Palmer girl was the first death case the county had seen in years, and Kizzy was at fault. Her family had owned a beach house back before the plague, out in the wilderness near Sandy Hook. The constable would start her search there. I guess I'll get back to work, then, Paige said as she went and opened the door. She paused there on the doorstep of the office and squinted out at the setting sun. She turned back and looked the constable in the eye. Let me know when you get her and bring her back here. If you don't write this wrong, then I will. Kizzy Cartwright stared out the window at the changing leaves in the abandoned town of Mountaintop. This was her new home. She had decided autumn would be her new favorite season. Even though the summer was dying, it was going out in style. Diego sat by the fireplace. No, I don't work with people, he said, and glanced at his watch. Time is now officially up, uh, but I'll let you get one more. Kizzy smiled. She decided that she would remember this as a small, happy memory, added to the scrapbook she kept in her mind of the many moments since Diego had come. They weren't perfect, and they weren't blissful, and they weren't even without some trouble, but they were good enough. Five mutant crows sat in the trees outside. Kizzy could sense them, but ignored it. Oh, geez, I don't know, she said. Are you a fisherman? Nope, announced Diego. I win. I always get the feeling that you change who you are halfway through the game. You have that low of an opinion of me? No, that's why I let it slide. Diego smiled and reached down for his backpack. I have a surprise for you. A surprise? Diego nodded. Let's see what's on the TV. What was he doing? Kizzy thought. There was no power here. There never had been. Diego approached the television, and from his backpack he took out a mechanical toy monkey with symbols and set it on the top of the box. He twisted the knob on its back, and the toy came to life, slamming its symbols together and dancing from one foot to the other. Diego smiled as he sat down on the recliner next to Kizzy's and admired his creation. The monkey continued its dance, inching backwards in the process. Get it? he asked. It's on the TV. Kizzy nodded as she took a bite from an apple. What do you think, he asked. I kind of hate it, she said thoughtfully. What? It's fun. Fun's not the word I'd use. Well, you just don't have good taste. Suddenly, the monkey reached the TV's edge and fell backwards behind the set. Still, it bashed its symbols in the gap between the box and the wall. Whoops, Diego said. Oh, we have to save it, Kizzy said, getting up. Kizzy, you realize it's not a real monkey, right? What? It's not? she asked sarcastically. Uh, no, it's not. 
Don't you feel bad for the thing? Kizzy asked, pulling it out from the gap and setting it back on top of the TV. It's a toy. It doesn't have feelings. Yes, it does, said Kizzy, jokingly. In its own way. Only what you imagine for it. No, it's a living creature, Kizzy said, patting the monkey on the head. And he was sad. Past the monkey, out the window, and in the distance, Kizzy noticed a figure standing on the roof of a nearby house. Her heart began to race. Her fingers went numb. They were supposed to be alone here and hidden, isolated from the rest of the world. They hadn't seen another living person in thirty days. They were as secluded as secluded got, and yet someone was standing up there on the roof. What is it? Diego asked, leaning up in his chair. He must have noticed her skin go white. Someone's there, she said in a hushed tone. Where? Up there? She pointed in the distance to the roof. He gazed out the window. They're watching us. No one's supposed to know we're here, Kizzy said. The real truth was, no one was supposed to know where she was. She was the freak, the one who needed protection, the last person on earth who could have children. Perhaps that made her the normal one, but she had lost track of how to view it. Whatever the case, Diego was only an innocent bystander in the science experiment that the world had become. No one cared if he was hidden or not. Close the curtains, Diego said. Kizzy scurried all around the small house, covering every window. Do you think he saw us? Diego asked. Kizzy rolled her eyes as she stared at the burning fire in the fireplace. I definitely see the smoke coming from the chimney. Diego smacked his forehead. What should we do? I don't want to leave, Kizzy said, especially if I don't have to. Wait a second, Diego said, standing up straight. How do we know it's not Josephine? Kizzy looked over at the small, two-way radio that sat on the kitchen table. Diego had brought it out here with him from the city given to him by Josephine. Because she would have called first. What do you suggest then? Maybe it's just some wanderer, said Kizzy, knowing deep down it wasn't just some wanderer. No one wandered nowadays. People needed to be connected to the city, connected to the Enoch pill, the only source of life. The person on that roof had come out here with purpose, but what that purpose was, Kizzy had no idea. They snuck out the back door, stayed low, and walked around the outside of the house, through the fence, and through the tall grass to an opening where they could see the other houses. Whoever was up on top of the roof was now gone, because he was quiet and scanned the area, trying to detect any color or movement. He's probably coming towards us, Diego said. That's what I'm afraid of. They walked closer, hopped a fence, and went through a meadow until they came to the front yard of the house. Hello, Kizzy called out at the top of her lungs. She could feel Diego tense up beside her. What are you doing? He hissed. A woman came walking around the side of the house. Kizzy froze, but she shook away the feeling. Hello, she said in a strained, trying her best to be friendly voice. I- I'm Kizzy. This is my friend Diego. The woman continued to walk towards them. There was no expression on her face. Her only movement was in her stride. Can we help you? Kizzy asked. Are you lost? The woman just continued her march as if she was alone in the world. Kizzy stood up. She was going to meet the woman head on. What are you doing here? Kizzy snapped as she approached the woman. But the woman didn't stop and walked straight into Kizzy. Except there was no clash of bodies. The woman seemed to dissolve in midair. Kizzy turned. The woman was now behind her and continued on through a fence. It was a hologram. Of all the strange things. Kizzy turned her attention back to Diego, only to see him held at gunpoint. A shotgun in the real woman's hands. Get out of here, the woman said, pushing Diego with the barrel of the gun. 
Kizzy took Diego by the arm and began to walk, quick and smooth, back towards their house. Not that way, the woman announced behind them. You can leave your things where they are. They couldn't leave their things, Kizzy thought. That would mean certain death out here in the wilderness. Camping equipment they had found, blankets, fishing poles, food, all of it was essential. Most important of all was the two-way radio from Josephine. Kizzy had to know if she was needed back in the city. If the cure hadn't worked, she would be the last hope for humankind. In an instant, Kizzy took off in a mad dash through the grass towards their home. There was a thunderous shotgun blast. She's insane, Diego screamed. Kizzy sprinted into the house and grabbed her backpack and the two-way radio. She stood there on her tippy toes trying to decide what else was important. Shotgun pellets exploded through the wall. Kizzy dove to the floor, dust falling all around her like snowflakes. The woman was coming closer. Kizzy needed a distraction. Suddenly, the monkey fell from its perch on the TV. Steps approached outside on the porch. The woman was at the front door. Kizzy twisted the key on the monkey's back and the toy stirred to life, smashing its symbols together. She tossed it into the bedroom and closed the door. With a distraction in place, she crawled to the back door and silently slipped out. Once out of sight, she got up and bolted, only to crash into Diego. He nearly jumped out of his skin. What are... Kizzy covered his mouth. They could hear the woman entering the house, her footsteps creaking on the old wooden floor. This was their only chance. They sprinted to Diego's motorcycle that sat in a nearby garage and hopped on. With a kick, he started it up and drove as fast as possible out of the town and into the woods. They rode for hours. Thank you for listening to the Enoch Plague Podcast. To support the show, please leave a rating on iTunes. Visit the Matthew William Patreon page, or give us a like on Facebook on the Matthew William Author page. <laughs>